With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Kelly Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for some midweek news and notes with our friend covering the Jets for NJ.com, Mr. Daryl Slater. Daryl, this is a weird period of time because we're sort of in limbo. There's a little bit happening, but it's not as busy as normal. So for somebody like you, it has to be nice because you get a little bit of peace and quiet for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to Miami over the weekend. My wife and I went down there and uh, had a nice, now that we're both fully vaccinated, had a nice trip down there, three-day weekend deal. And uh, yeah, it's kind of easing back into it today. It's nice to come back and not have like something hit you in the face with a bunch of uh, <laughs> busyness. But yeah, like you're, you're right. This is kind of the in-between period of uh, at least this week before OTAs and all that begin next week. Obviously, the players are going are, are working out. They're not just sitting around right now. But um, on-field OTAs next week, and we just had a rookie minicamp in the rear view over the past couple weekends for various teams, and then uh, of course the draft before that, and. Uh, yeah, so you're kind of uh, getting into this period where things sort of start to slow down before training camp, but certainly still a lot to talk about. And the first thing that we can talk about, and this is an interesting phenomenon that people have gotten into, it's the rookie numbers, the jersey numbers, because people want to go out and buy jerseys. Obviously, the big one that everybody wanted to know for sure was Zach Wilson. The whisper for quite a while was that he was going to wear number two. That is indeed what ended up happening. Elijah Vera Tucker's got number 75, and then number eight will be Elijah Moore, which means that Michael Carter would have to pick a different number because he wore number eight at North Carolina. He's going to be number 32. The other Michael Carter, Michael Carter II, he'll be number 30. Jason Pinnock will be number 41. Jamie and Sherwood is 44. Brandon Eccles will be number 25. Marshall will be 96. And Hamsa Nesraldeen is going to be 45. This is assuming, of course, that all these guys make the team. But those will be their numbers, at least, throughout training camp. Daryl, I think that this is important for Jets fans because they really wanted to go out and buy those Zach Wilson jerseys. But one thing that I did notice that hasn't been talked about much is that they gave Elijah Vera Tucker number 75. And Elijah Vera Tucker wearing number 75 is following in the tradition of one of the best offensive linemen in the history of the league. And 
arguably the best offensive lineman in team history. If it's not him, then it's either Mawai or Nick Mangold. And that, of course, is Winston Hill, who is now an NFL Hall of Famer. I don't understand, Daryl, why is his number available? How have the Jets not retired this man's number? I don't know about you, man. Uh, I mean, they gave away Buster Screens 41. That, that's my <laughs> biggest takeaway from all. <laughs> they gave away Screens 41. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, look, I mean, you and I were talking before we got on here, like jersey numbers or whatever, take it or leave it. Uh, look, Zach Wilson goes from number one to number, at BYU to number two. Jets, he's number two pick. Wacky, you know. So, um, And then I think, what, Elijah Moore wearing eight, which is an interesting one because these guys, uh, receivers can now wear single digits. So that's newsworthy. But, you know, it's funny as we were, we were talking about this before we got on, and I didn't even think about it until you just now mentioned it. I was like, who else had 75 recently? You know who had 75? Ode Abushi, 75. Mm. Mm-hmm. They, gave, they gave 75 to Ode Abushi. So mm-hmm. it's not like this is a number that's been um, – that they've given only to really good players. I was thinking, like, did they have a good player before this? Or had it been a while? No, it hadn't been a while. And, look, Ode Abushi is a serviceable enough starter, I, I guess, player, I guess. He's still in the league somehow. But, yes. So that it's bizarre to me. Like, and, and I – I was thinking about this as we got to talking about this. How many? So Winston Hill is obviously in the Hall of Fame. It's crazy, number one, that his jersey was not retired before this. So if you look at Jets Hall of Famers, if you go go down their list of like legitimate Jets who are in the Hall of Fame, not Brett Favre, Ed Reed, but so Don Mayard's in the Hall of Fame. His jersey's retired. Curtis Martin, um, his 28's retired. 13 for Maynard, of course, 12 for Joe Namath. We know know that. So the other two Jets are in the Hall of Fame as players who primarily were Jets are Kevin Mawai and Winston Hill. And Kevin Mawai, of course, played a little bit elsewhere. And But Winston Hill really, except for the last year of his career, he, he played his entire career of Jets. And um, 63 to 76 was on, obviously, the Super Bowl team. Like, any Jets fan knows who Winston Hill is, obviously. And so it's really just odd to me that not only have they not retired his number, but it's not even one of those deals that where it's kind of like it was informal. I mean, they were giving it to Ode Ibushi. Again, no, no offense to Ode Ibushi, but like the, the, the degree to which they've kind of liberally handed the 75 out is bizarre to me. And I know you have to, you know, there's a lot of guys in the team. So and with number restrictions, it's not like offensive linemen can wear any number. But certainly Winston Hill's number should be, should be retired now. I mean, the guy is not only in the Ring of Honor, he's in the Hall of Fame. Kevin. To me, we were talking about this beforehand. Winston Hill, Kevin Mawai, right? Mm-hmm. Those should be the next two guys retired. Because if you're in the Hall of Fame and you spent the majority of your career with the Jets, no one's no one's asking for Steve Atwater's number. <laughs> okay, so like no one's asking for Ed Reed, even Art Monk or John Riggins. None of those guys. Reti- you only have three to re- retired numbers right now as a franchise, right? In terms of in terms of the Hall of Famers, um, and then of course Joe Klecko, Dennis Bird. So. Um, What's two more, I, right? I mean, I, you agree with me, right? Yeah, I don't understand it at all. I think that you're looking at a franchise that hasn't really had a whole lot of really good players or Hall of Fame caliber players, certainly, that it would be worth retiring their numbers. So if you do have one, go ahead and retire the number. Kevin Mawai, one of the greatest centers to ever play the game, he was a pivotal part of the Jets going from the pre-Bill Parcells era to one of the most successful sustained errors in Jets history when Parcells showed up until the end of that second year with Rex Ryan. So there's no reason that a guy like that shouldn't have his jersey retired. And obviously Winston Hill, who came well before Kevin Mawai and 
Daryl, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, spent his entire career as a New York Jet. It's just baffling to me that his number isn't retired. The current retired numbers for the Jets are Namath, Maynard, Martin, Klecko, and Bird. So there's no reason that those two guys shouldn't have retired numbers. I mean, I know you could make a case against a couple of other players that I would think should probably have retired numbers, like Wesley Walker, who spent 13 years with the Jets and is an iconic player in franchise history. Mark Gastineau, number 99. There's a little bit of tumultuous stuff going on with him, with everything that happened throughout his career, but still an elite player, and I would think should have his jersey retired. But for those two guys that we're talking about, there is no denying that they should have their numbers retired because they're both in the Hall of Fame and in Winston Hill's case, as we said. Spent his entire career as a Jet. What more do you need to do to get your number retired? Especially by a team like the Jets that hasn't had a lot of success or a lot of retired numbers. Like you said, it's not like they're running out of numbers. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Winston Hill should be the, the first in line, I mean, and to get that, to get it retired. And, and in the meantime, they shouldn't be giving it out. Like, uh, so now what do you do? Like, so now you have it on a guy who you think is going to be a fa- foundational player for you. So you're going to take it away from Vera Tucker. What, what if the kid, plays? <laughs> like, I know Winston Hill is, has passed on, right? So it's not like we're talking about a guy who, is later in his life and you want to get this done before he passes away. He, he passed away. So you really do have a long time if you want to, I guess. But now it's, now it's on the back of a guy who could wind up being, <laughs> if all goes right for the jets could wind up being around for a, a while. Um, I, maybe they could do a thing where they like retire it and say like, he would be the last guy to wear it. Like I, again, I don't understand. Like, why would you ever give it out to someone like Ode Abushi? Like, again, not nothing against him. He's a very nice, nice enough guy. But like, he was a fifth round pick or whatever. It's not like, um, you know, for, this is a reference no one will get. But it's Syracuse, like uh, the it, number forty-four, special number, right? And they, I guess, they eventually retired it. But um, it, it was given out to only only players who had to kind of earn it, right? And if certain franchises have that that tradition. But uh, there you go. I mean, I'm sure. Look, if the Jets. Uh, it all goes right, and you know that doesn't usually happen for the Jets. But then Elijah Vera Tucker will certainly make Winston Hill proud um, with what with with his performance. Um, I'd be interested to know if he knows much about Winston Hill, I, and I you certainly couldn't blame him if he doesn't, because look, I mean Winston Hill played a long, long time ago. But there's no arguing he's he was an incredible player, and he represented the Jets well. And um, it's been you know five years since he passed away. Um, and they, they sh- certainly should honor him, I, I believe. I agree. And hopefully, Elijah Vera Tucker will do that number proud. If you want to buy the Elijah Vera Tucker jersey, or if you want to buy number 75 and have Hill put on the back of it as a tribute to Winston Hill, you can do that too. Oh, sure. Yeah. All of those jerseys available now. So if you want to pick up the Zach Wilson one, that'll certainly be the most popular. By the way, Daryl, I did get the reference, the number 44 reference. Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, and Floyd Little. Conrad later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those guys wore that number, so a special number should be reserved for special players, but really, in the case of somebody like Winston Hill, nobody should be wearing that number at all. Daryl, these guys have new numbers, and they're going to come in and participate in the offseason programs. We saw Phase 1 already. There was the rookie minicamp. So let's go through the timeline here, and as somebody who's covered this, you can kind of explain exactly what goes on. Phase two just started. It's been shortened from three weeks to one week. Some on-field workouts, some individual instruction and drills. You guys aren't allowed to cover this, right? What exactly goes on with these things? 
Uh, not much. I mean, <laughs> you'll see teams like uh, actually tweeting out photos uh, of what they're doing. It's like individual drills stuff. They, they ramp up, basically. The, the off-season program starts with just weightlifting and rehab. Then it goes into some individual drills. And then it goes into what I call spring practices because I don't mm. like – it's, it's organized team activities and mandatory mini camps. It's a mouthful. Like I'll just go with the old fashioned way they call it in colleges, spring practices. Okay. So that, that really is the part of the off season workout program that, that fans care about are, are, are the actual spring practices. So this week the jets are getting and all the teams across the league are getting ready for the start of those spring practices next week. And they're, and the OTAs obviously is what they're called organized team activities starting Next week. And, um, you know, again, this is all voluntary, um, but the Juwan James situation, I think, has made a lot of players reverse course from saying, like, hey, we're, we're not going to show up at this. And I think a lot of guys look at it, did it almost in solidarity with the union. And not so much because they're afraid of, of COVID, per se, because a lot of these guys are, are vaccinated. Um, so it's a little bit quite a bit different than, than last offseason when we were in a situation where there's no vaccine and we're in the early stages of this and you look at voluntary spring practice and say what's what why is it worth the risk and it really wasn't worth the risk um and so i think now a lot of these guys looked at the Juwan james situation he got hurt working out on his own and they say oh shoot you know like i really don't want that ha- want that to happen to me and you know so so you we could argue about whether that's that rule is fair, but the NFLPA agreed to it years ago and they have to, you know, they have to deal with that now. And um, so that's why you're seeing, I think a lot of these play, a lot of these voluntary workouts have, and it's pretty clear, like teams are leaking, you know, like to certain members of the media, like, Oh, we had 80 guys here, you know, and it's almost like a middle finger to the union um, after in the wake of the Jawan James thing. Um, because obviously, you know, long story short, you don't get covered basically uh for you know potential lost pay if you get hurt away from your, the team facility but if you are doing your voluntary workout at uh the team facility you, you are covered so that's that's a big time incentive for these guys to show up for what is what is voluntary um i suppose they could just stay away and sit on their butt and not work out and not <laughs> getting hurt either but for a lot of these guys i mean people need to remember like i mean a lot of the nfl roster is comprised of roster fringe players and the night of the 90 guys in the offseason you, you got to whittle that down to 53 so that's a ton, that's almost more than half the team who literally will not make the team so these guys can't afford to fall in line if they can see like geez i mean that could that could end poorly with me if i don't if i if i stay away and I work out on my own that that might not go so well for me um so yeah next week here the Jets will start up and other teams will will start up with their organized team activity practices and there's 10 of those um that happen over the course of uh three weeks and they kind of are spread out in different different ways like maybe four three 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 four you know in terms of the number per week the Jets are going to start up I'm looking at my calendar now on Monday the 24th then they got the uh, one on the Wednesday and then the Thursday. Um, so three the first week. And typically what happens is um, one per week is open to reporters for us to go. That's So three of the ten total OTAs. And then all three of those mandatory mini camp practices in the middle of June, which is the last stuff before training camp. So um, that would be for the Jets of uh, the June 15th through 17th. So the next three weeks, or the next four weeks, really, they have anywhere between three to four practices a week, and that is basically what they're – you know, these are – what would you call them, I guess, glorified walkthroughs because there's no pads, no full contact. Um, 
but it's a chance for them to learn the system, and which is really important, obviously, when you have a new coach. Speaking of a good coach, or at least somebody who's well-respected, Kim Jones from NFL Network reported that more than 80 players showed up at Florham Park to start the voluntary Phase 2 of the offseason program. Salah has to be thrilled, this according to Kim Jones. You would think that he is. I would imagine that part of this is that players got a little bit nervous with the Juwan James situation, but also yeah. a lot of this is just respect for Robert Sala and wanting to get to work for him and get to know him and really get ingrained in what he wants to do. So this is a really positive sign for the Jets that so many of these players showed up for the voluntary camp. Yeah, I, yeah and I think if you look at it, um, these guys don't have any reason to dislike Robert Sala. Like if they had brought back Adam Gase for whatever reason and there's bad blood, you know, the you know, loss of locker room, whatever. You know, certainly I think you could see a thing where guys would say, screw it. I'm staying away. I'm not going to go gonna be around that guy. But you know, Robert Sala has got a good reputation and he, and, he, and he's starting with a clean slate for these players. And uh, again, I think it gets back to the pragmatic thing though, too. You talk about a 90 man roster where a huge majority of those players either won't make a team or are on the bubble. Right. So how many roster spots are safe when we could go through the whole roster, but like, obviously like almost every team. And I think, I think even with the jets, because they don't have a lot of great players. So it's not like you can look around and say, Oh, this guy's safe. This guy's safe. This guy's safe. These guys need to like show up and make a, a good impression. Um, even if the coaches aren't saying that, you know, like it's obviously very much implied. Um, so that's that's also at play here. I, I look. I, do they like Robert Sala? Do they respect him? They, they certainly don't have any reason to not like him or not respect him. But um, ultimately, there's enough personal incentive for guys who are on a team that is full of just really honestly like not very good players or guys who need to play a lot better or you know prove their their worth to stick around. I mean, because um, look, I, I think Joe Douglas has shown. You know, he, he traded away Sam Darnold and he's going to be decisive about if he's going to be decisive about a position like that. You know, if you're Joe Blow, middle linebacker fighting for, you know, either the backup job or whatever. Hey, like I, I better show up and, and figure out what I'm doing here and learn this, learn this system, because um, it's not like there's I, I don't know this for sure. But like, what if a guy didn't want to show up? Would he be able to get a virtual um instruction in the playbook my sense is probably not i mean you could probably get the playbook sent to you but if you actually want to go through this install stuff it's happening on site in person and if you're learning you know it's not only is it a new offense remember this is a new defense the team going from not just one type of three four to another they're, they're switching to a four three um and so there's going to be a lot of changes on both sides of the ball schematically for these guys and so there's a lot to learn for the returning players and certainly guys coming in from elsewhere. So makes sense that they would show up and we'll see. Look, I think next week we'll, we'll do some of these observations off this stuff. It's hard to, it's hard to really observe the stuff that matters. And that's the install. Like is a guy grasping the offense, whatever, whatever, that sort of stuff. We can't sit in the classroom and we don't really know. So that's the most important thing that happens in the spring. Not like a guy making a nice catch and no pass. (laughs) It's, it's, it's it's understanding your new defense, understanding your new offense um, for a team with a new head coach in particular. So that'll be we'll see. We won't know for you know a while now whether um, this stuff paid off. We'll see how the Jets start off in camp in terms of knowing their assignments and all that stuff. But again, I think that you know the classroom stuff is 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 by far more important at this time of year than on on the field. 
This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Daryl, last order of business because we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, so I haven't had the opportunity to pick your brain on the draft. What did you think of what the Jets did on draft night? Yeah, it has been a while uh, since we since we chatted. Um, but man, I don't know. I mean, I guess just cliff notes wise, like, well, I think I wrote this, I mean, about the Wilson pick and we talked about it. It is a safe and obvious move, right? Once you move down from Sam Darnold, the decision was made once you moved out from Sam Darnold. So, uh, in a couple of years, we'll know, uh, whether maybe they should have stuck with Sam Darnold or whether this, this was the right move. Um, because it's not like there were options there. I guess you can look at it and say, what if, what if, you know, maybe Wilson doesn't become a good player and say Fields does and you say, hey, the Jets made a mistake there. But so did a lot of, I mean, the general consensus was he was, he was the better, he was the pick there, Wilson. So there's going to be a lot of question marks that we talked about ad nauseum on here. And the biggest one is can they put players around him? And if, uh, they certainly tried to do that in the draft. I mean, obviously, Elijah Moore, there, uh, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker. They did trade up a haul. I mean, they gave away those two third-round picks, and that has to kind of give you pause as you look at it pragmatically and say, "This Vera Tucker is the is you know obviously they need Wilson to be really good. Elijah Vera Tucker needs to be a really darn good player to justify what the Jets did there." Um, and we'll see. I, I think there's some potential there. Um, there's you know the cornerback situation remains. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have talked about it a lot on here, but like. Mm-hmm. my God, like, what are they going to do? How are they going to cover anybody? Like, that's the biggest, on the flip side of, like, all the potential and upside that you can talk about coming out of the draft, you can look at a roster like the Jets and, and very obviously say, my gosh, like, how is this team going to cover anybody um, in the back end? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you could, I, I've, I've stood on the table and said, go get Richard Sherman. Obviously you can't kidnap him. <laughs> Bring him to foreign park. If he doesn't want to, if he doesn't want to play for a team that's rebuilding. I get that. So, um, there, there's gotta be a, a, a move left, right? Like cornerback, <laughs> are they really going to go into the season and start bless Austin and Bryce Hall? Like, I guess they might, you know, and they pretty much did it last year. Right. So, um, I think that has to be a huge concern because uh, you know you look at Salah's defense over the years and they've been able to have mainly Rich, Richard Sherman really good veteran cornerback presence there. Their secondaries were great in um, in Seattle and you even look at last year. You know Jason Verrett had a pretty good year um, for the Niners and so that he's been able to have some pretty competent 
least cornerback play, but you just wonder how he's going to be able to piece that together. Um, because yes, they drafted cornerbacks. They didn't draft a cornerback who's going to help them immediately. Um, so that, that those are my takeaways on one on one side of it, um, and then the other. I think the, I, the, the Michael Carter running back pick I, I like that one a lot. I mean, um, just judging by what draft analysts have said about him, you know, being a second round talent and guys who have spent more time watching him, I think that is a real good sweet spot to get a running back. Um, and I think there could be a ton of value in that pick. So I think. Um, that's one that you look at and say, man, this has got some good, good value potential. Um, but they, he was never going to be able to address all those holes Joe Douglas wasn't anyway, right? So, like, I guess cornerback waits for another day. But I think there's got, there could be some major aches and pains in the meantime in, in the secondary as they do kind of wait to, to fill that, uh, that, that hole. Holes, really. It's funny you mentioned that they can't kidnap him because now I'm thinking about how it could be the plot to the sequel to Celtic Pride with Damon Wayans, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, and Daniel Stern. If you recall that movie, the whole plot was that they wanted their team to win, so they kidnapped the best player from the opposing team. You could kidnap Richard Sherman and tell him you only let him out if he signs with the Jets. I'm not actually advocating somebody do that, but it just went through my mind about how much I enjoyed that movie. You've seen that right daryl long time ago yeah that was a classic 90s sports movies right in that right in that vein of all those like semi cheesy uh angels in the outfield Mm -hmm. little big what was the one where uh the kid breaks his arm uh rookie of the year (laughs) there was like a whole flow flood of uh those type of movies in the 90s and uh but yes there we go. I was actually I was trying to make a movie analogy and I couldn't think of one on the fly of, of kidnapping him, but that is a perfect that is literally right on. So look out Richard Sherman. I think Ira's coming. Ira from Staten Island is gonna come for you and uh, if Ira can can kidnap Richard Sherman, then I don't I don't think they should sign him if Ira can overpower him. That, that's just my scouting report. <laughs> look, Ira, great swimmer. You know, he's in good shape, but uh, you know, come on. So I know Richard Sherman has lost a step, but I think he can outrun you or Ira. <laughs> Ira and Fireman Ed are going to kidnap Richard Sherman. <laughs> right, right. I I don't think that, yeah. Uh, bottom line, I don't think we'll be seeing Richard Sherman in Florham Park this year. Um, I think we're going to be, <laughs> I think the Jets are in for uh, quite a lot of uh, anti-Richard Sherman in his prime play, if you will, mm-hmm. on the opposite end of the spectrum at cornerback. And, I, you know, who knows? Who knows? But I, I just don't see how any way you can look at their cornerback situation and say, yeah, I feel good about that. That, that That's fine with me. Like, I'm cool with that right now. Um, but again, like, like I said, they had a lot of roster holes. It's not like Joe Douglas can fill them all at once. He had to prioritize. Um, and then it just comes down to whether he prioritized the right things. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. So uh, it'll be fun to get back out there next week and see some football because rookie minicamp, we, we were out there watching it. But it w- I don't know if people know this, but like what happened at rookie minicamp was like not really a football practice on a couple levels because the alignment had to work out in the morning because of COVID stuff. And then the, the other guys in the afternoon. So they only did seven on sevens. There was no team periods. And we were only even allowed to, we were only allowed to watch like an hour. So we didn't even get to see any of the seven on sevens. We just saw a bunch of individual drills, guys throwing against air. It was really honestly pointless <laughs> to get out there and watch. Uh, hopefully, and this is all voluntary and the part of the team and the coaching staff of how much they open to the media. It sounds like they will have fully open practices 
during the OTAs. All three of the mandatory minicamp practices have to be open to reporters. And I know you guys, like, people like to, like, yell at us for crying. Or no, we're not, we don't, Look, I don't care that much that Robert Salad didn't open a full rookie minicamp practice. But the Jets have done it in the past. So it's worth asking, why did you do this? And we write something explaining. I'm sorry, but, like, if you're a Jet fan, wouldn't you want to know, like, how Zach Wilson looks? It's not like they're giving away state secrets by opening a full practice. And I understand his rationale, I guess, um, you know, that, that those practices were going to be sloppy. They didn't want necessarily people judging Wilson based on that. And he knows they're not going to try to hide him and they can't hide him. So next week, OTAs, it would be great to see a full practice open. Great to see uh, a lot of guys out there uh, and then doing team periods and, and Zach Wilson having to face a veteran defense. Let's see how he responds. I mean, let's let's get to it. I'm ready to I'm ready to see that after really <laughs> not watching a whole lot of anything football wise for for quite a while here. Daryl, two major conclusions here. Number one, Jets fans shouldn't expect to see Richard Sherman. And number two, if you haven't seen Celtic Pride, you should go watch Celtic Pride. <laughs> yes, do it, do it. Daryl Slater covered the Jets for EdJ.com. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. I know that you've got plenty cooking, and you've got a new Jets writer over there at NJ.com, too. So tell me what's going on over there. Yeah, so we, we hired uh, uh, Joey Chandler uh, to cover the Jets for us on a day-to-day basis. I'll still be doing some Jets stuff, but she'll be our day-to-day uh, Jets writer like uh, Matt Stipulkowski was uh, in the 2019 season. I know you know we had Chris Ryan kind of subbing in from the devil's side, moving over to the Jets during COVID and all that. So, but Joey is our new permanent Jets beat reporter, and she's done a really good job so far. I don't know if you guys saw during the draft, she did a cool story interviewing the fan who sat in Roger Goodell's chair. Um, she did a neat story here uh, that ran yesterday. You and I were talking on Tuesday, so it ran Monday, um, the 17th of May. And um, it was about, you know, people from Zach Wilson's background, coaches who coached against him in high school, what they thought – of sort of the foundation of his journey to the Jets and where, where his sort of um, success and um, work ethic started back in Utah. So that's an interesting one if you if you guys want to go check that out. And so, yeah, I think uh, you know, you'll like uh, reading Joey's work. Uh, she comes from Wilmington, North Carolina, was covering East Carolina down there. And uh, so she has started. She's moving up here at the start of, of June, but I'll still be doing some Jet stuff. Unfortunately, you'll still have to read my – my schlock on the site. So, uh, but yeah, so go check that story out. That's one of our main jets things we have up right now. Um, it's a good look at the sort of found, like I said, the foundation of Zach Wilson's journey to the jets and, um, definitely an interesting read, uh, and give Joey a a follow on Twitter. Of course, Uh, I think it's her Twitter handle is by Joey Chandler. And, uh, and, uh, you guys will enjoy, I, I would hope, uh, her coverage as we, as we kind of move forward here. But like I said, I'll still be doing a bunch here. Um, she does, like I said, she doesn't move till June 1st. So I guess I'm, we have no idea what, what, by the way, which of these jets OTAs were going to be open. So I'm staring at a calendar. I might be summoned to foreign park, any one of these three days next week. Uh, so I'll be out there. And then once June one rolls around, she's moving on up from North Carolina and, uh, and we'll be taking over, uh, like the day-to-day aspect of things so um appreciate everyone reading of course as always and uh as we kind of make another transition but it'll still be a pretty large volume of jets coverage as usual and uh maybe you can have joey on here at some point 
be it, that'd be cool to have another another voice, right? Yeah, always. I always look forward to talking to a variety of different people here on the show. So we'll have to talk about making that happen. But in the meantime, make sure you're reading Daryl and Joey's work over at NJ.com. Make sure you're checking out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Luke Grant has got some great film breakdowns of Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, and Zach Wilson up right now. Plus, the latest from Kayla Pace. Pace's playbook is up there for you as well. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. 